Blog Talk Radio. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Literally. <laughs> yeah, exactly, literally. 
so was that your favorite city, New Orleans? Yeah, though I did. There were things I enjoyed about all of them. Uh, Nashville, there's a deep respect for live music in Nashville, too. And it was funny because the place we played at, most of the people there were country acts, and they were like, yeah, we were kind of glad you guys weren't country because <laughs> we hear so much. <laughs> but we're accessible to a country audience because it's sort of Celtic folk rock, and we got a, we do have a fiddle player, and you know, and there's a, I got backup singers, I got the girls, and so so I could see a country fan still liking us, you know what I mean? <clears throat> exactly, that you weren't too far out of their comfort zone. Right, with some of the instrumentation was the same, acoustic guitars and violins and drums and hand percussion and harmony vocals and stuff like that. There you go. So, you were uh, safe. All right. <laughs> it went over very well. But a little exciting at the same time. Yeah, a little, a tiny bit rowdier, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Country can move along at pretty slow pace, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> but Nashville very friendly. Austin the play or in Houston the place we played was this crazy sort of art center place run by some very eccentric, great eccentric artistic people. Like every inch of the place had some sort of artistic trinket or some work of art some I mean you just if you just turned around you were gonna knock something over. It was just the it was it was called super happy fun land. <laughs> That's what they called it. <laughs> it looked like oh, a wow. You walk in and it's just very Texas like, right? And you walk in and it's just um it just looks like a bomb of artistic projects went off and just scattered all over this giant place. Uh, it just had uh, everything <laughs> Anyway and that's so yeah, go ahead. Was that in Nashville? That was in Houston, Texas. Houston, okay. Super happy fun land. And then Austin was a very artsy city in some ways, too. In fact, we visited a, it was a legal graffiti park where just people can just wander into this big place. It goes way up a hill. There's a castle at the top of it. And, and people just, it's, you're allowed to do whatever graffiti you want. So All right. Are there different. like billboards and railroad cars and walls and places you to do graffiti on? Yeah, just big walls, big stone walls all over the place and just uh, yeah, whatever <laughs> whatever canvas is there. <laughs> A lot different than northern Virginia. Mm. Which would see something like that where I live here, though it's a nice place, but they would see something like that as looking way too messy, you know. Uh, so New Orleans definitely looks a lot different, let's say, than downtown D.C. or over or Virginia or Northern Virginia, which would think it would be cluttery or something. <laughs> There's a different vibe, you know, a little more laid back. It is, yes. <laughs> the acceptable level of chaos and loose ends. Very <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was fun. I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, great. And of course, travel is always to me very exciting. I always get the window seat because I like to look out and see what I can see. And of course, since I went into um, just flew to Oregon, 
into Portland, I could see this beautiful volcanic peak, Captain Snow, with these beautiful glacial lakes as we came flying in. Just, oh, you know, the cold, crisp, white snow of it. And it was like that, you know, going across the plains and the plains and the plains. They're just starting to green and seeing the soil. And then the elevation comes up a little and you start to see a little snow. And then it comes up more and you see more snow. And then there's more snow. And then you fly and fly and suddenly there's like, whoa, you know, that that whole range of volcanoes down the coast. And there you are flying past a snow-capped volcano. It's like, ah, life on this planet is so gorgeous. Oh, yeah, and I have a brother that lives in the northwest in Washington State, and in August, you can still see the snow on the mountains, and on the bottom, the water, like if you're hiking, it's like the water is ice cold just from the Mount Rainier or one of those, you know, it's just a a beautiful place. Incredible. So we have indeed been talking about trees and the trees of the 13 moons, and especially about oak. And I was just thinking tonight, wow, we're really, you know, oak has really claimed its place as the middle. Because we did one show on oak the first time you were gone on tour. Mm-hmm. And then you came back. And then you and I did a show on oak. And now you've been gone on tour again. And here we are back at oak. I'm like, wow, good work, oak. You managed to take up like almost two months. That's right. <laughs> Claiming it's without our saying anything at all, or with a not nothing, but not a huge amount. It's not as though we have exhausted ourselves on oak, even though it has taken quite a while. And I see that very much as the fact that oak stands in the middle. And I was reading today about how deep the oak roots are and that one of the reasons that the fir trees, that the evergreen trees, were put at winter solstice is to complete the cycle with the oak at summer solstice. So it's that deep, strong hardness of the oak at the summer solstice. And then in a way, the kind of unrooted softness of the evergreens at the winter solstice, which again makes that yin and that yang, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't want at the summer solstice something that's weak, we need something strong, and at the winter solstice the, the symbol can be something more weak. So I've got three authors with us this evening, one we've heard from before, and I think a couple that we haven't heard from. Uh, One of my very, very favorites is by Ellen Everett Hopman, a druid's herbal. I'm familiar with her a little. Tree medicine. Have we spent a little time with her? What did you say about her? I was saying I've I've heard of her before and have seen uh, seen her writings before. I don't think I own one of her books, but I'm familiar with the author. Yes, and she has quite a few books out. Mm-hmm. In all of her work, she's an herbalist as well as being a druid, and she's very serious um, about her her devotion to uh, her path. She's a druid priestess, a master herbalist, and a lay homeopath, and she has a master's degree in mental health counseling. 
and in addition to the Druid's Herbal of Sacred Tree Medicine, she has Druid's Herbal for the Sacred Earth Year, Walking the World in Wonder, a children's herbal, tree medicine, tree magic, and a novel, Priestess of the Forest, which is a fabulous novel. Oh, I was so lucky I get to read that in manuscript form. What a good novel that is. So here's what Ellen has to say about Oak Dare. The post-glacial Indo-European cultures came to fruition during the era when great oak forests covered most of their territory. Over half of all shelters and constructions in Europe are made of oak wood. Oak was an important source of heat, being a dense firewood, and was used to fashion bows, spears, oars, boats, and houses. And you know, as I was waiting, just sitting meditating before doing this show, I thought how interesting it would be if each one of us looked around this week and looked at oak. What is made of oak? I have an oak dresser. I have an oak chair. There's an oak by my garden. So this week, let's really look at the things within our lives right now that are made of oak wood. It is such a functional wood. And I bet you will find something around you, if not many things. The bark and leaves of the oak were boiled to make an astringent brew to tan hides to strengthen nets and to pull the edges of a wound together. The ancient Irish law text on farming, Bretha Kamath Chessa, lists seven nobles of wood outlining their economic values. Oak, hazel, holly, yew, ash, pine, and apple. Oak is the noble of the wood due to its acorns and its usefulness in tanning and its value in woodworking. One commentator reported that a single oak tree gave enough acorns to fatten a pig for one year. Oak was the Tara of the woods because it was the tallest tree in the forest. The fine for damaging an oak or any other noble tree was... Two and a half cows. Whoa! That's really serious, you know. I have to admit that that is sometimes one of my little pet peeves, that I see people treat plants in ways that they would not ever treat an animal. And so to make the worth of the tree, two and a half animals, is a very interesting observation and way to go about doing it. And I say you wouldn't you wouldn't go out to my rabbit hutch and just you know murder one of my rabbits and drop it on the ground. You'd at least eat it, and yet you would pull up my plant and then when you're done with it, drop it on the ground. Let's respect the plants too. So next time somebody cuts down a noble tree, two and a half cows, watch out there. There are also fines for illegally stripping the bark from an oak tree for your tanning purposes. If enough bark was taken to tan a pair of women's sandals, the fine was one cowhide. Now, again, isn't that quite equitable? If enough bark was taken to tan a pair of man's sandals, the fine was one oxide. The perpetrator also had to salve the tree's wound with a mixture of clay, cow dung, and milk until there was new growth. And 
the fine for damaging a tree growing on the land of a noble called for a higher fine than a tree growing on the land of a peasant. No distinction, however, was made as to the age of the tree. So whether it was a young tree or an old tree, it was the species that counted in terms of the amount of the fine. For the ancient Celts, nothing was more heavenly than a pig feast. In fact, their descriptions of the other world involved endless feasting on pigs that magically came back to life after being killed and eaten. A ninth century triad states that the death of a fat pig is one of the three deaths which are better than life. The Chris-Gablach law text mentions the boar that removes dishonor at every season, and the Adacht Morain, the Testament of Moran, describes a pig's fat side as the freeing from shame of every face. In other words, pig meat was a fit meal for a high-ranking guest at any time of the year. And pigs were commonly fed on oak fruit, that is, acorns. Pigs and acorn mast were so linked in the Irish mind that an expression uh, was born to describe a lost opportunity, a pig which dies before the acorns ripen. In the tree, Ogham, oak is the highest of all. Oak is the great carpenter's wood. Oak is the most carved of craftsmanship. Oak is the highest tree, the carpenter's wood of choice. The highest may have a double meaning, because oak is so associated with the sacred class of druids and with thunder, and thus the high places. Now, since Ellen is an herbalist, she gives us a great herbal rundown on the oak as well. Oak leaves and bark are astringent. That means they will shrink and tone tissues. Try oak if you have hemorrhoids. Just sit in it. If you have bloody urine, drink it. Internal hemorrhages, fevers, sore throat, or phlegm in the lungs. Oak can be used both internally and externally to shrink varicose veins. Ah, I should have read that before. That was one of the questions on my show tonight. Oak makes a fine wash for sores and skin irritations and a rinse that counters dandruff and hair loss. Try this. Soak a cloth in oak tea and wrap it around the neck to shrink goiters and glandular inflammation. A sitz bath will help any problems of the rectum or any things that are going on in the vagina. Have a burn? Try a tea or a poultice of the bark or the leaf of oak for speedy pain relief and speedy healing. The most palatable oak for internal use is white oak in a tea made of White oak bark removes excess mucus and tones the stomach. And then she gives a very important caution, and she says oak bark should be collected from branches in early spring. If you take bark from the trunk of the tree, you might, in fact, kill it. Oak leaves need to be collected before summer solstice. After that, they're going to have too many alkaloids to be safe to use internally. For external uses, the older oak bark can be used. As we said, this is something you can just go to a wood pile. And oak that's going to be burned, you can take some of that bark. The bark does not have to be from a living tree in order to be an effective herbal medicine. 
To make oak bark tea for internal use, simmer one tablespoon of white oak or English oak bark in a pint of water for 10 minutes. Up to three cups a day can be taken. For a wound wash, use greater amounts of bark, about a pound of bark per quart of water. I'm trying to imagine that. I often yeah. use an ounce of herb per quart, but that's 16 ounces per quart. I'm not even sure that a quart of boiling water would wet a pound of oak bark. It is dense. That would be interesting, and that would certainly be a greater amount of bark. For leaf tea, steep two teaspoons of shredded white oak or English oak leaf per cup of freshly boiled water and steep for 20 minutes before drinking. The English oak and the white oak are used the same way, but other oaks such as red oak and black oak are only safe to use in externally. They are too astringent to use internally. Native American herbalists and healers of the West used the coast live oak to heal the newborn's navel. The Cherokees used white oak when they had diarrhea or dysentery. Also, things affecting their voices. They chewed the bark for mouth sores and applied oak bark tea and an antiseptic and used it as a wash when there was chills and fevers. The Delaware Indians used oak bark tea for coughs and gargled it for sore throats and applied it externally to ulcers and bruises. The Vuama natives crushed the root with whiskey and applied it to rheumatic parts. Oh, where did they get that whiskey? All right. Now, the Iroquois, people who live out where I do, regarded white oak as a psychological aid for loneliness. For, quote, when your woman goes off and won't come back. The Penobscot applied oak bark to bleeding hemorrhoids. The Ojibwe used the root and bark tea against diarrhea. The Iroquois used the swamp white oak bark tea when they were dealing with cholera, consumption, and broken bones. But one of their favorite ways of using it was to smoke the leaves. The Menominee used northern pin oak as a portifacient. And the Cherokee used Spanish oak, especially for dealing with intermittent fevers and loss of voice. Cherry oak or red oak is used as a general tonic to the joints. And it goes on and on and on and on. There are so many oaks, as I think we established in a previous week, and basically they are all used the same. Use the milder oaks, white and English oak, for internal use. Or if you have to use the others for internal use, make a weaker brew, take a little less of it. The ancient Indo-Europeans could have been called the people of the oak. They revered this tree and they depended on it. And so religious associations developed. Oak trees were sacred to the deities Tyrannus, Indra, Jupiter, Yahweh, Ucho, Rhea, Kibel, Thor, Artemis, Brigid, Balder, the Irines, and the Kikoan Menaids. Peron, 
a Slavic god associated with oak trees, was worshipped on the summits of hills and mountains. Parjanya, a Vedic oak god, was associated with rain, clouds, and storms. And the old Norse god Fornk, who gave birth to Thor, was associated with oaks and helped his father by slaying his foes with a stone hammer whose handle was oak. The Lithuanian god Perkunas was worshipped in the sacred oak groves or in the guise of a single oak tree, usually growing in a high place. Among the Balts, oak wood fires were kindled in sacred oak groves to honor the high gods and the gods of thunder. The Teutons burned oak fires in under honor of their thunder god. For them, harming an oak tree in any way at all was punishable by torture. In 1156, a bishop visiting Lübeck saw a grove in which there was an oak tree surrounded by a fence of stakes, and it was said that the oak tree was the god of the land. The Greeks had groves of oracular oaks, such as those in Dordogne, where the will of Zeus could be heard in the rustling of the leaves. The ancient Greeks prayed to dryads, the oak spirits, for rain. Oak brides went to Mount Kitharion and were dedicated to the oak god. The Akkadian Greeks called themselves the sons of oak. In Rome, the Vestal Virgins tended a perpetual oak fire, and Jupiter was honored in the form of an old oak tree. The recurrent theme is the association of oaks with thunder, deities, lightning, high places, rain, storms, paradise, and thunder gods. The oak tree is known to attract lightning, and for this reason is often planted near settlements and homes to ward off strikes. I may have mentioned, but it's certainly worth telling again, that I was doing a class on the trees of the 13 moons in a cemetery, a large cemetery in downtown, kind of, well, the edge of Toronto. And it started to rain. And we took shelter, thunder and lightning, we took shelter under a tree, and then we looked at each other and went, hmm, it's true, they tell you to get out of open places, but on the other hand, we are under an oak tree, and just at that moment, kaboom, and we were terrified, and we went running into the field, and kaboom, and a lightning struck the field as we ran through it. My hair stood out. That was quite the thing. Should have stayed with Mama Oak, I guess. The Paleo-Indo-European root word for oak evolved into words for tree, trim, tar, beam, wooden peg, key to a sheepfold, godly tree, spoon, trough, bow, spear, rainbow, hard, strong, hail, firm, brave, true, rough, fixed, stout, belief, loyalty, trust, treaty, contract, agreement, sureness, confidence, chariot pole, fuel, log, post, woodsman, oak, acorn, Zeus Grove, Wood Nymph, Oak Spirit, and Druid. The 
Proto-Indo-European word dwarve, tree, or oak, became the word for door. The oak is said to be inhabited by a spirit who could open the door to the other world, either the sky world through its branches or the phonic world of the nature spirits through its root system underground. Dwar and its variant Doru, Dri, which became the Old English tree or true, also embodied the meanings of truth, belief, and binding oaths and contracts. These qualities were also associated with the Druids, the Celtic oak, priests and priestesses, the truth knowers who ate acorns to strengthen their powers of divination. Druids taught in oak groves and early Christians such as St. Catagern, St. Brigid, and St. Columba took over the sites that were hallowed by Druidic oaks. I think I might have told the story, maybe not to you, but maybe the first time we talked about oak, about when I went out to make oak to eat, to gather acorns. And if I haven't, I can tell you the story next week because it's a rather long story. But it always ends with my saying, and after all that work, we couldn't eat it. We had to put it in a high place and bow down to it. And I'm always amazed when I think back on that story at what I know now about oak and what I know now about the sacred focus and how many people have indeed bowed down to the oak and eaten those acorns to increase their divinatory power and how that just came to us. That although we thought we were focused on making something to eat, when we were done with it, we recognized that inherent spirit, that inherent power in it, and we responded to that with bowing, with giving honor to the great, great Oak. Oak was the wood of choice for mortuary houses of the Hallstart culture. Boughs of oak were recovered from a burial in an oak coffin. Mistletoe also found there a plant that was gathered with great ceremony on the sixth day of the moon by white-robed druids when it was found growing on oak trees, which is a rare occurrence. The Welsh Mabinagion describes how the god Liu took on an eagle form and perched on the branches of a magical oak that could neither be soaked by rain nor scorched by fire. Many Celtic place names are associated with the local sacred grove. Dru and Nementon sacred grove was the oak sanctuary. Chartres Cathedral stands on the site of the most sacred oak grove of the Gaulish Celtic. A typical Celtic Timnos probably included the focal point of a sacred tree such as an oak and associated well and a simple shrine of wicker or stone. In English tradition, Hairn the Hunter, a horned forest god, is said to walk under the oaks of Windsor Forest. And in Wiltshire, England, the local townspeople can gather wood from the forest of Grovely on May 29th and cut the largest branch of green wood they can carry away. They process through town accompanied by their brand, stopping at each house before entering and cutting off small branches. This custom preserves the people's right to take wood from the forest by human power alone. No carts are allowed. 
in former times a representative of the town would dance in front of the Salisbury Cathedral, but in the 19th century this was deemed irreverent, and now the ritual is limited to the laying of oak leaves on the altar of the cathedral. In Shropshire, a tree known as the Mile Oak was said that death and disaster would result if any of its branches were cut and in Brampton stood an oak around which newly married couples would dance. Until the end of the 19th century, the last load of wheat brought in from the harvest was always decorated with oak branches. Tradition states that acorns kept in the home or carried on your person bring good luck. An ancient Welsh tradition held that good health could be kept by rubbing one's hand on a piece of oak on midsummer's day while keeping silent. Make a mental note. Make a note on your calendar. June 21st, put hand on oak tree rub. Keep silent. And... Good health will be yours. The dew under oak trees is a magical beauty aid. Oak is above all, a symbol of completeness and balance. Its roots go as deep as the tree goes high. Oaks provide excellent wood. They feed the people and the animals, and they attract the attention of the gods on high. They have their heads in the clouds and their roots firmly planted in the earth. For druids, oaks are the ideal way of life. Thank you, Ellen Everett Hopman. And that's our time together for this evening. I'll be back with you again next week to explore more about oak. And remember your assignment, find something around you made of oak. Talk to you next week. Green blessings, everybody. And remember that herbal medicine is people's medicine. It's the medicine that's growing right outside your door. All right, and thank you so much, Susan Weed, again, and to all the people who keep this knowledge of the healing that's out there, as she says, growing right outside your back door, alive. It's, to me, always a fascinating story that these things survive, and I enjoy doing the show and learning more each week. So thank you again, and have a great evening. Forbidden Archaeology Forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Let's